Are you a citizen of the world? Is it your goal to be a leader in international business? Then you should consider the business school for the world, and that's INSEAD. Furthermore, its Associate Global Director of Admissions and Financial Aid is our guest today. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 520th episode of Admission Straight Talk, Accepted's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes I am asked, is the MBA worth it? And my answer is, it depends on your individual circumstances. But I've got good news. We've developed a tool that will help you evaluate whether an MBA is worth it for you and your individual circumstances. And by how much? Just go to accepted.com slash MBA ROI and check how much you're likely to benefit or not from the MBA. And using it won't set you back even one cent. It's free. It gives me great pleasure to have for the first time on Admission Straight Talk, Teresa, Teresa Pero, Associate Director of Global Admissions and Financial Aid at INSEAD, the business school for the world. Teresa worked in marketing for several years before joining INSEAD in 2011. She focused more on EMBA programs initially, but in 2021 became the Associate Director of Global Admissions and oversees the entire admissions process for all NCAA degree programs on all campuses, including the MBA, which is going to be our focus today. Teresa, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you very much, Linda, for having me here today. My pleasure. Now, can you give us, just to start, an overview of NCAA's MBA program for those listeners who aren't that familiar with it? Yes, of course. Um, our MBA program is a 10-month program that I have brings together like uh, around 100 nationalities per cohort. You can either start in January or in the August intake. It's a very intense program. Is it short, It's shorter, but our participants make the most out of it. And uh, we commonly hear all of our alumni saying that it was the best years of their lives. That's great. Okay. Now, INSEAD has three full campuses and several partnerships with both U.S. programs and SEABs. In China, how do most students take advantage of that geographic diversity? I mean, it's already intense, right? If it was, you know, ten months in Fontainebleau the, the whole time, that would already be intense. But if you have all this other options, how do they do it? Indeed. So uh, our applicants have to make a decision of which will be their home campus. So what is the core courses? They will have to stay in their home campus. After that, when the elective start, they can either change campuses. So if someone starts in Singapore, they can go to Fontainebleau and vice versa. And then we offer different uh, partnerships, as you mentioned, with different schools in the U.S. and China. So what happens is that they can go to that school. While they're say, in that school, they're like a full students from the welcoming school. They spend the, their period there and then they come back to INSEAD. So it, where... Where are the three campuses again? I know it's Fontainebleau, Singapore, and so the third one. Three campuses: Fontainebleau, Singapore, and Abu Dhabi. And we opened pre-COVID a San Francisco hub. So is, that's that's not considered a full campus yet, is it? It's no, gonna, it's a hub. It's a hub. Especially okay, hub. okay. And where are your where are the partnerships? The partnerships are with Kellogg and Wharton in the U.S. and with Seeps in China. Got it. Got it. And when you talk about your home campus, 
How much time are you required to spend there? What do most students do? Or is there a most? Per class. So there's not like a statistically something consistent. They have to stay for the core courses. So for the the first uh, period, they have to stay where they decided to apply to. Okay. Because we consider that that part is like the most intense of the program because they have like all of these classes and all the exams and it's like the core and they have to stay focused where they are and Mm -hmm. then switch campuses. So it's super interesting because now, for example, for instance, we had we welcomed the, those who started in Singapore and they arrived to Fontainebleau and it's like they discover like a new school. It's like a new campus yeah. and they get to see other participants that started here in the program and yeah. they have moved or those who came with them. So um, I find it very vibrant, the campus exchange moment, because like the campus like full of suitcases and they are coming in and out and they, they <gasps> see new faces and you see how, oh, I'm connected with you when we were applicants and now I see you here and uh, it's it's a good sense of community. Very nice, very nice. In terms of the the, the partnership schools, is the the 10 months is it divided into to semesters or or you mentioned periods. How are how does that work? There are periods of two months. Okay. So two it's divided months. into five so periods five of two months. months. Or, yeah. Five plus um, P0, which P0 start before they start to, they arrive to campus. So we've got oh, P0 and five periods. Got it. Okay. Could you review the language requirements, both at entry and graduation for INSEAD participants? That's a very distinctive aspect of the program. Yes. And you know what? This is one very near to my heart. So as you know, or maybe you don't, uh, INSEAD was uh, founded by Georges Dorio, who was a French Harvard professor. He wanted to bring them together. Okay. And why, when he did that, he the courses at the beginning, they were taught in those three languages, so German, English, and French, which were the languages in Europe. We've been adapting to what to the different times. English has to be validated either by your native language or by other means of assessment. We need to ensure that every MBA or every student in Atencead is going to be able to follow the class and make the most out of the program. So English has to be validated. If it's your native language, we will not question it. But then you will have to validate the second language for entry reasons. So how do you validate? Do you take, I mean... So if English is not your native language, you have to validate it. So there are different criteria. Most common are you need to have your whole whole degree has to be taught in English. It has to be specified in your transcripts. Or... um, through TOEFL, PTA, or Yelps. And if you if English is your native language and and you know your second language is French, for example, or Spanish, there are other tests. There are local, so there are like national tests that we we accept many of them. But there are many different like experiences. For example, the TOEFL is only two years, and each test has a different uh, experience date. So um, we will look at that very closely for your second language if English is your native language. And for instance, if you, for example, have course your bachelor's in Spanish, it would be validated too. The second language is like a C1. So it's fluent that we require and it's an admissions requirement. Now for the third language is an exit language. So you need it mm-hmm. to graduate. And we do not give the diploma if you have not validated your third language. Knowing that the level that we require is much lower. It's an A1. When I'm talking to candidates or prospects, I always, always encourage them to get that language policy cleared before they start because the program is very intense and they 
prefer to invest their time in other things than language, learning the language. But for us, it's like in our DNA. And this open-mindedness and being able to, to make the most of this super international exposure, we wanted to have these three languages with you. Right. Right. Yeah. I know there are tests that test these levels. So I'm thinking about my own abilities with, with second languages. Understanding comes first. Usually speaking is harder. Is it like a second level? And writing is the hardest. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So where... Where I mean, in in lay terms, if if you want to use that, do you, would would your entry level requirement be that the person have obviously speaking and comprehension and speaking ability and some writing ability or fluent writing ability and the exit requirement? What would that be in terms of again, just just a very proximate? I realize there are stricter requirements. I'm just trying to make it a little bit easier yeah, to course. grasp. No, the second language is quite strict. It has you have to go through the three levels and it's a C1, which is fluent. You have to have to write, be able to write. You have to be able to write. Yes. This the exit language, which is A2, is more of a, a little bit of everything. So okay. not very complicated sentences and not that you can you don't have to be able to write like a proper essay, but you would be able to write an email. Got it. Friend. Okay. All right. That that's that's very good. Very helpful. Okay, wonderful. Now on one hand, you know, you emphasize that the program is intense and it's only 10 months. And that is, could be, a, I mean, it definitely is a plus on one hand. You There's lower opportunity costs. It's very efficient. But it also, you know, some, some applicants might be worried, what about my internship? I want to change career paths. Nobody goes for an MBA to do the same thing that they, you know, on the way out that they did on the way in. How do you address that? Of course. So if you start in the August intake, it's like the real 10 months because you graduate in July. However, if you start in the January intake, you finish in December and you do have time for an internship. When I'm speaking to candidates and to prospects, like, please make this a sound decision. Because whether you start in January and August should not only be based on your own timing, but also think about the internship. So those who really want an internship will start in Jan, in January. Got it. Okay. All right. And like giving the option to those who yeah. really want to fast track or know exactly where they want to go after versus those who really want to make the most and get an internship. All right. Do do students or participants in INSEAD ever who start, let's say, in the September intake, do they ever do the internship immediately following graduation? Is that ever done? Or not too common? I would have to ask. I'm not that okay. Sure. Okay. No problem. What don't people know about INSEAD that you would like them to know? What's a common misconception perhaps? Misconception that shorter is slighter. Okay. <laughs> it's not easier. It's not easier. <laughs> and then I also hear like the other side, like some other students that, of course, you know, that all the MBA community, they after like they all have friends who went to different schools and of then course. they come back and can tell you, well, those sometimes who went for two years, they have like some ex- downtime. And actually it's very interesting because that was the reason why the 10 month was created because our founder could see that sometimes the second year was a lighter pace. So he decided to like just put it all together and make it more intense. Right. It's true that our campus is like 24 hours open and you can see how they are making all of it. And I was talking to some students before today and they're like, the way that we click all together, because you also have this pressure of time, like it's going to go so quick. 
Yeah. And we we're always telling them, like, you have to make the most. And you hear them, like, in one week, I I had relationships with people that I thought I had never known for years. Wow. Now, INSEAD clearly lists its admissions criteria. And your website says they are ability to contribute, academic capacity, international motivation, leadership potential. I'm sure you know those. You don't need me to tell them to you. Where are you most likely to see those qualities in the different elements of the INSEAD application? So it's interesting because when I'm running, I run application workshops very often. I always, my first slide is with this, four pictures Mm -hmm. of this four admissions criteria. And I always tell them. It's great that you're so clear about it, by the way. It's fantastic. Yeah. And on top of that, when I'm running application workshops, I show the picture and say, whatever you information you share with us, be sure that it falls in one of these buckets. Because then you follow up courses. But what's more important? No. But instead, it's holistic. And I'm always saying the same. I'm always sharing with people. At INSEAD, we're human beings behind the admissions process. There are people reading the applications and people like, they begin this conspiracy theory. It's like, oh, so you put our CV in a scan and they give you like, no, there's <laughs> nothing like that. It's all about holistic and we we try to see everything. So we have a lot of essays, which we are aware. We know that we ask for many essays compared to other schools. But we really want to know. And it's not only about us deciding if you are a good candidate for INSEAD or not. But if this is what you want, this is what you need to get wherever you want to go. So these four criteria, and that's why we are so clear about it. They need to be covered in your application. It's interesting because, um, and I think we will talk about the, the Kira video, but the pre-selection decision is purely based on what we've received in that application form. And we need to be sure that those four criteria are met. Sure. Do you typically find, like, I would assume that academic capacity you typically find in the transcript and the test score. Well, yes. Okay. Yes. International motivation would probably show up, in, in my guess, both in your resume and your activities, as well as the essays. We are always, in international motivation is my favorite. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> because who we are. So international motivation is about us being sure that you're not only going to be comfortable with such diversity in the class, but they're going to embrace it. And that you're going to be, and you know how much you're going to learn from this diversity and you're going to make the most out of it. So we need to be sure of this. And how do we see it? So the most common and where most of our candidates really check those boxes is because they've gone through international experiences before themselves, either studying, either working abroad. And we do believe that this aspect in your life, it's a big experience that makes you who you are in a way. You've gone abroad, you've gone to a different culture, you had to adapt, yeah. you had to make some compromises, you learned so many things about it. And you had to melt in, you had to. You have to adapt, and, um, I think it's the key thing. So we get that from previous experiences. Also, in other cases, we have candidates that didn't have the opportunity of living abroad or having this experience. So we also we ask them to tell us how they've been in an international environment and how they felt about it. So either you're working in a country where we are, there are like many people from different nationalities, either you work in a very international company and you, you have to, I was going to say deal, but you have to collaborate and you have to <laughs> interact with other nationalities from other countries. So that's what, what we are looking. So we do ask, in, your, in the essays, what has been your experience? And we also ask a detailed list of your international experiences you've had in the past. Right. 
And I think, you know, in advising clients, we sometimes talk about multicultural exposure. So as you say, some applicants, they might live in a diverse country, many different cultures within their own country. It's not homogenous, it's a heterogeneous culture. And nowadays, most of the countries are like that. That's why companies are always looking for people who are thriving in this kind of societies. Right. For sure. There's more and more, more and more like that. And ability to contribute, I would assume also will come really through throughout the application, really. Um, Ability to contribute and leadership potential come a lot also through the the essays. Yes. What is it? And the question is like, what is it that you bring to the class? Right. You want to be sure that when you raise the hand, you're going to share experiences, share what you know, ask the correct questions and where those questions and those contributions are going to come from your past experience. Right. Okay, great. Now you mentioned the video a second ago. What is the role of the video interview in the evaluation process? We are very happy with the video. We love the video. And um, our message to candidates is always like, be yourself. So when I'm presenting this application workshops, I put a picture of of Salvador Dali, who is one of our most well-known artists in Spain, because he was genuine. He was himself and he wasn't he wasn't shy to show, show who he was. And it's about that. I'm always telling we are not expecting you to be a BBC reporter unless you were a BBC reporter. <laughs> <laughs> so don't try to use those fancy words or things that you think that are, but be yourself. So what we're looking here, the role is to, to see who you are in a way and, and communication skills. The video will reassure us a lot also on the English level and the fluidity when people speak. I understand it's stressful. So we always recommend candidates. There's like a practice part in the in the platform. I always say practice, practice, practice. They are four questions and you've got 45 seconds to prepare and 60 to respond. I strongly recommend candidates that they use those 45 seconds to work on their structure. What is it that they want to say? And then be yourself. I always tell the story that we had a candidate who was a break dan- a professional break dancer, and he just went to the floor and he danced. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. That's great. Great. That's a great story. It's a great story. And this is because sometimes, and I, I, and I understand, like, oh, instead I'm going to try to use fancy words. No, because you're going to, to lose the point of the video, which is what we want to hear you. Well, I guess in that case, you really didn't have to hear him. He was break dancing, but he said he must have said something, you know, before and after to convince you that he knew the English, and and then he showed you who he was. And that's why we've got four questions, and they are not. And you know, I always say that we read applications to try to look into it and accept you, not to reject you. Right. Right. And. Um, the French say bienveillance, which is like looking for good things, looking for okay. the positives. That's and great. Um, so that's why it's important that you are yourself, because for the writing, you already have your essays. Right. Uh, yeah, understood. Understood. I once heard, this, I don't even remember which school it was, but this was during COVID. Obviously, everybody was being interviewed from home. And in the middle of the interview, the the applicant's three-year-old son walked in and wanted his daddy for something. And the father very nicely just turned to the three-year-old and said, I'll be with you. You know, this, this mommy can help you now. Just I'll be with you in a few minutes. And, and he got in also. <laughs> he, got, you know, he, he handled it appropriately. But of course, I, we also had someone who was doing the Kira interview and his cat came like this. 
<laughs> and it was so impressive how the candidate just did that with the cat and could continue speaking and maintained his poise. Nothing had happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but everything like we were all home, so we all could have we're human beings, and that's an important message for me. We're right. human beings looking for human beings, and we are to understand. Yeah, I've been trying to tell that to candidates for years that that you know that that, that the admissions people are not automatons; they're human beings. No, no, but I also see it's it's it impresses, and you re, and we they really want it, but it's like, but we are, we want to accept you for the correct reasons and for who you are, right? For who you are, right? For sure. Now, let's say somebody turns in an application and impresses you, and they do the video and impresses you, and you decide that you're going to interview the candidate. What's the INSEAD interview like? Okay, so INSEAD interviews are purely run by our alumni. So we are not, uh, staff is not in, involved in the interviews. We, we do the matching, so we decide. So the admissions officers will match the candidate with two interviewers for the RMBA program. They are purely by geographic and or industry. And then our alumni interviewers, they will run the interview in their own style. Mm-hmm. Knowing that we do give them some tips. We don't tell them what we want, what they should and what they should not do. But then each one has their own style, as I mentioned. So some of our alumni interviewers prefer to organize the interview in a much more formal setup. So they will invite them to their meeting, to their to their offices. Others prefer like a quiet cafe. But at the end of the day, who's pre-selected means that those are criteria are checked. And what we are looking for is the fit with the school and the program. So and our interviewers are thinking, would I want, would have, I'd like to have this person in my class? Would have, I want to have this person in my group? Right. So it's, 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 the interview is really just about fit, almost fit with the community, if you will. Almost fit with the community. And also, is this person motivated? Right. Does this person really want to do an MBA program? Why does this person want to come to INSEAD? Do they have those four criteria? Well, the four criteria are, but it's also about the soft skill motivation. Like, okay. is the motivation there? So sometimes we hear, like, this person was not passionate about INSEAD. So it's more about passion, I would say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's great. And you know, yeah, because our interviews are, they are volunteers. And I always tell candidates, like, they are volunteers. They're doing this in a way of giving back to us, to the school. And because someone was there for the interview, they want to be there for someone else's interview. Right. Okay. Now, you've been doing this for a few years. What's the com- most common mistake you see in the application? And you, it can be plural too, but. <laughs> I would say lack, lack of motivation. We know that our application process is long and it takes time. And we're always telling, like our recruitment team is always like, Focus on the essays, focus on what you're what you're writing, you need to prepare. So a floppy application is a no-go. Okay. Essays that aren't well structured, essays that are not well prepared, that or things that are mismatching, lack of consistency, that would be a killer. Right. Okay. Okay. And to, to that translates to you as lack of motivation. Yeah. Would be a, yeah, this okay. Really hasn't, and you know, um, this is a big investment and it's not only about money, but it's also who you're going to like this instead will follow you for the rest of your life. We right. tend to say that you will never travel alone, for instance. <laughs> but it's something that you really we want to be sure that you're really going to because you're really going to enjoy and you're look, looking for. I always say that we're looking for motivated candidates, 
engaged students, proud alumni. Okay. And that starts to, and you, and they know, candidates know that pre-selection is purely based on your application form. So it's like your business card. like Right. Okay. Now, does INSEAD have any preference between the GMAT and the GRE? Any plans to go test optional? Test optional is a no-go. Okay. That's easy. <laughs> That's real fast. That's not easy. <laughs> we are finding GRE and GMAT as good, both as good predictors. Okay. Because there was a time when I think there was a preference for the GMAT, but at this point... At this point, no. And we see the numbers of GRE takers increasing. Okay. All right. Great. We understand that there are two different tests and they test differently. Mm -hmm. So um, candidates should do some research before they prepare and they should sit the test that fits better themselves, like where they're going to perform better. Okay. All right. But there's no like different expectations in terms of percentile. You should be 85% on the GRE and 75% on the GMAT. That's no so more, no longer the case. We're moving away more from like giving like a strict score. It's very difficult to get this into the candidates' brains. <laughs> right, right, right. Because you hear so many, I'm sure you do too, right? Like, right. oh, I, I only have a 720. Am I going to get in? <laughs> right, right. And now my, my latest sentence is like, a GMAT score does not define who you are. <laughs> You're quoting me. Um <laughs> Right. It's just okay. that, it, that sometimes they're so terrified. I, I met someone who told me I'm not going to apply for scholarships because I've got a 660 and I'm never going to get a scholarship with a 660. And I like, yeah. was the connection. <laughs> Can you please share with me? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not we're looked at in a vacuum. Yeah. We're looking for meeting. Like we want to, it's not only what test, what score you took in that day, but also what you've done before. Where are you working? So the academic capacity we are broadening what we're looking at. So your academic past background, it's past background is also very important. Right. And we're sure. being very reassured by those. So okay. I would, if you had any idea how many times I've answered questions, what score do I need to get into school X? You, you would be amazed. Oh, and no, 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 no other information provided. No other information provided. Just this is my score. What school can I get into? But Linda, I had an, an event on Saturday. Yeah. And I said, GMAT score doesn't define you. I even said that I was going to get it at a tool here. Like, GMAT yeah. score does not define who you are. So you, I will show them, like, this is how true this is. And yeah. afterwards, we're having, I have this score. Am I going to get in? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You were hearing what I was saying? Just not define who you are. We just need to be sure because it wouldn't be fair on a, on a candidate that they're not going to be going to be academically following the program. And that's right. what we need to be sure about. And it's one of those four admissions criteria. Right. Well, I'm glad you're emphasizing that. Come Thank back. you. All right. And repeated, you know, now in my applications first, in my face workshops, I repeat this sentence three times. <laughs> the next time I'm going to ask everyone to stand up and we're going to repeat it all together. <laughs> <laughs> Try it. See if it works. I will let you know. <laughs> okay, please do. All right. So Let's say, let's say I'm in the midst of preparing an application for the January 2024 intake. And there's a deadline, April 18th and June 27th. And this interview should air before the deadline. Okay. What advice would you give someone in the midst of preparing an application for an upcoming deadline? What, let's say if it's April 18th, it's really close or the June 27th deadline. 
in the midst. I always say that they sh uh, applicants should aim an application deadline, not because they think all of those myths that they have around the application, because then you've got also those myths like, if I apply to round X, I'm going to have higher chances of being accepted than in round Y. That's not true. Apply when you're ready. Right. When you're ready, you need to have your score. You've taken your GMAT or your GRE. Your applications should be towards finalizing, like proofreading, more than beginning to write because it does take a lot of time. And once you have this, the sooner the better, because, but only because about them. Because onboarding takes time. Some right. places need to get visas. They have to move transatlantic. They have to sort their lives <laughs> before they come to Fontainebleau, Singapore. So the onboarding is better on them. And they're, and we always tell, be kind to yourself. So don't try to rush it. Right. But you need to onboarding time. I also just realized this, this show will actually air after the April 18th deadline. So we're really talking about the June 27th deadline in terms of the January 2024 intake. And obviously there's another deadline for the September 2025 deadline. My advice too, when I'm speaking to candidates that are like thinking of applying, now what yeah. I say, like take a white piece of paper and you make a circle and you write INSEAD MBA. And with the four emissions criteria here, there, <laughs> you begin to write, what do you want INSEAD to know about you? And you write, you write. And you fill that paper and you go and with some friends and you come back and you continue writing. And the next day you wake up and you continue writing in your brainstorm. And then you look at the application form and you look at your essays. And in each line that you wrote in that brainstorm, you put which essay you're going to write this. And I always tell them, if there are things that don't fit in any of their essays, you highlight it in yellow. I, also, I like office supplies a lot. So <laughs> I like them around. And then you write. Then you get it proofread. Then you read it again. And then with those that weren't highlighted in yellow, that's your optional essay. So you're that's thinking, great. You want that's great thing. advice. But of course, because they sometimes they go into it, okay, I'm going to reply to this essay. Yes, but you have to read because they're in somehow they are connected and it depends how you want to tell your story. And it's important. Instead, we love your story and we want to understand who you are. I always say that when I'm looking at a file, I create someone and I add layers. Who you are, where do you live, your previous, your previous experience, what do you want to do next? And that's a good way to just don't bias your application responses with what you think you, what we want to hear, but what you really want to tell us and what you want inset to know about you. I have something, a very similar system, but where I say, you know, write down everything you want an individual school to know about you. Look at the criteria. What do you want them to know about you? And then write down their questions. Very, very, so I say do use a spreadsheet, but that's basically because they all love spreadsheets. But, <laughs> but I'm taking them out of their comfort zone already. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Yeah. Right. 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 And, and, you know, use a mind, I'll also say sometimes use a mind map, which is more similar, but digital. But the idea is first figure out what you want them to know and then figure out where you can take those things that you want them to know in the application based on the questions. And the good news is that NCAA does ask more questions than normal. So there's more opportunity for them to, to tell their story. Yes, it takes more effort, it takes more work, but that there is that opportunity there. But we also see that once they're accepted, they appreciate the, the time that they've spent thinking about because for us, it's a, it has to be a sound decision. Like you just don't apply and just, no. 
It's like, okay, I want this school because of these reasons. Okay. Oh, another killer is when someone has copied and pasted their essays and you can see because they left the other schools. <laughs> That's a killer. Oh, that isn't, yeah. <laughs> it definitely I shows a lack of motivation and attention to detail. It's super floppy, right? Like, right, 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 right. right. Yeah, that's, that's bad news. That's bad news. All right. Let's say instead of applying for this upcoming cycle or a close deadline, I'm planning ahead. Okay. I want to apply in fall 2023 for the September 2024 intake. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're really, I know the dates are the year's dates are like nuts. Anyways, but it's hard to read. You think I'm talking about 2024. Anyways, any planned changes for the application? Are you at all concerned about chat GPT? No. <laughs> okay. That's another easy Not one. Concerned. Not concerned Not at concerned. all. No. Okay. Planning ahead. No major changes are seen for like we would never do a major change from one application from to another so if okay. someone wants to start ahead download the application look at the essays if we were to change maybe we would change one or we would do like a minor change but not nothing yet very major all right and what would you what would you advise that applicant planning ahead to be doing now doing research like when they come to our campus i'm like so grateful like this is what you have to do Go visit the schools. Do you feel you belong there? Talk to students. I, I think that they should spend much more time like in looking at the school. Like we're always welcoming to come and see it. We organize, like for example, in-house events every two months. We get to organize master class. We have a chat like where I tell them about all of these things that we're discussing today, like an application, how to prepare your application. We have also someone from like my colleagues from careers sharing the career outcomes and what's the career journey. We've got also people from Student Life sharing how is a day in an MBA program. And last but not least, we have students coming to the camp, to the to the amphi, and it's an open question. It's like an open mic. They just raise a question and they ask and they reply. So, for example, I think that the best thing they could do, like organize to come and join us one of those. Right. Come and meet us. Sounds a good advice to me. The I went from an interview working for instance, like, I belong here. That's that's a nice sense. That's a nice feeling. It's a great great uh, fit. So I think we've we've covered then all the bases, and uh, I want to thank you, Teresa, for joining me today. Where can listeners and potential applicants or potential participants, I should say, learn more about INSEAD's MBA program? Uh, the best uh, recommendation would be our INSEAD.edu, our website, where you can find everything and uh, reach out to us. We're always okay. very happy to discuss. All right. Sounds good. Listener, thank you too for joining Teresa Pero, INSEAD's Associate Director of Global Admissions and Financial Aid, and me for our 520th episode. We'll include links in the show notes at exhibit.com slash 520 to which Teresa just mentioned, as well as to other relevant interviews on Admissions Rate Talk and also some articles on the accepted website. They're all linked to at exhibit.com slash 520. Quick reminder, check out Accepted's free MBA ROI calculator at exhibit.com slash MBA ROI. If you found this show worthwhile, please tell your friends. Don't let them miss insightful interviews like this one with admissions directors at fantastic programs, test prep pros providing tantalizing tips, or alumni doing great things. Thanks again for coming. This is Admissions Trade Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. <music>